welcome back to episode 15 of the Gladiators Den MMA podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the news of John Jones pulling out of his fight with Stipe Miocic and the new fight of Tomas Benoit and Pavlovich, the effect that has on the heavyweight division, and we're going to recap everything from UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Gladiators Den MMA and of course we have just finished with the UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi but before we get into that because there is a lot to talk about there is obviously the huge news that John Jones had to pull out because of a pectoral injury which I'm bummed about I was looking forward to that as much as Aspinall and Pavlovich is a you know fucking amazing fight I was just so excited to see John Jones man I'm a huge John Jones fan let's be honest it was going to be a retirement fight for both of those guys and I think that is mirrored in the fact that they're not allowing Stipe to fight for the interim title because whoever wins the interim title is the new number one contender so if Stipe is not going to be the number one contender then if Jones comes back, which is a big if, then he's going to have to fight the winner of Pavlovich and Aspinall. And then I can't see, you know, Stipe fighting after that. So either Stipe is going to have one more fight and then, you know, against somebody else as a retirement fight, or we just see him retire. I would like to see him fight one more time, but over the last few years, it has been so evident that he has been declining, obviously due to his age and whatnot. The guy's pushing 40 now, right? Or he might even be 40, I don't know. So, yeah, kind of sucks. And I mean, they couldn't... I saw um, on Twitter, I can't forget the person's handle, it's Jack something MMA, so I don't want to steal, you know, people's ideas or whatever, but... He said that the reason they couldn't allow Stipe to fight for the interim title is because they needed him to lose only against John Jones. Kind of ruins his legacy if he loses against one of these up-and-comers. Because, let's be honest, not many people were giving Stipe a chance to win. So if he retires against John Jones, no harm in that. John Jones, on the other hand, beats the greatest heavyweight of all time. It just solidifies his greatness, right? If you have Pavlovich or Aspinall, one of these young heavyweights, beat the greatest heavyweight of all time, it just flips that narrative and then it puts John Jones in this weird sort of area as now he has to kind of fight to prove himself. So the Dana White quote when he came out and said to offer Stipe the interim title was just total disrespect. It's just bollocks. I don't agree with that. I think he's just trying to save face. I don't think he can give Stipe the interim title shot because the only person they want Stipe to lose to is John Jones. So if they, if he fights again, I imagine they're going to give him a fight, a winnable fight, because he's retiring. Let's all be honest. Now, if we think about what happens with Jones in this sense, is Jones going to fight again? I know this is only the second time he's ever pulled out. He pulled out against Daniel Cormier, UFC 194, I want to say. Could be wrong. 
he had like a, an ankle injury or something. So this is only the second time he's ever pulled out. But this injury is going to keep him out for like eight months. He'll be what, 36, 37 when he comes back. And he's already not fought for a while. And the minutes that he did fight against Gane was, you know, he fought for a couple of minutes. And before that, he had a two, three year layoff or whatever it was. So he's not going to have fought for like four or five years properly. And then you expect him to come back and fight an absolute killer like Aspinall or Pavlovich. I, I just can't see it. Yeah. I mean, with no USADA though, next, you know, since de- from December, is he just going to juice up and get healthy quicker? I don't know. If I had to, if you had a gun to my head and said, what do you think is going to happen? I think Jones and Stipe are both going to retire because Aspinall said, um, I believe to Ariel Helwani or to Bisping or something on one of their shows, he was under the impression that or he was told from those, you know, in positions of authority above him, that it was a double retirement fight. So the plan for them to, the that was just the perfect fight for them to, because they were going to retire either way. So, yeah. Kind of shook up the whole division, right? Because now we have Aspinall and Pavlovich fighting. And it just, everything's up in airs and what happens next. Now, let's not forget, Pavlovich was the backup fighter. He was already training. He was already in shape for this fight. Aspinall is the fighter taking this on short notice. What a fucking boss move to take a fight against arguably the scariest guy in the division. Maybe outside of John Jones. Some would say scarier than John Jones to as a prospect to fight at heavyweight. What a what a fucking what a boss move. And he took the fight on the exact same day's notice as Bisbing did when he beat Luke Rockhold, so if you believe in that kind of stuff, maybe. Uh I saw some interesting stats. I did have them saved, but I can't fucking find them. Uh it was to do with their total cage time. Here we go. So they're scheduled obviously for twenty five minutes, and the total in cage duration in their UFC careers is Pavlovich 16 minutes 38 seconds, Aspinall 15 minutes 12 seconds. These guys don't like fighting outside of the first round. So, the short notice fight, I'm hoping isn't an issue because these guys usually get it done quickly. Uh, the only time Pavlovich got beat, uh, I believe, was against Overeem. Overeem just smashed him. So, I believe Aspinall is going to have to go to his wrestling as much as Aspinall is super quick and powerful for the heavyweight division, I just think Pavlovich edges it. I think Pavlovich's one-punch knockout power is higher than Aspinall's. Aspinall might be slightly quicker. It's it's hard. I just don't think against someone as explosive and as quick at that weight as Pavlovich, you can't afford to, to risk standing and trading with them. And we know that Aspinall has great jiu-jitsu, great takedowns. Man, uh, you know what? I would love to see this fight go into deep water, see how both men fare in the championship rounds. But with Aspinall taking it on short notice, myself being from England, obviously I want to see him win. Just have him go out there, take take uh, Pavlovich down and just smash his face in within a minute. That would be perfect. Now, of course, 
Yeah, I might. I was gonna. I was gonna start talking about Jones again. I just don't think. I don't think he comes back. I would be extremely surprised, because I mean, again, it is John Jones. He surprised everybody in the Garnet fight. Not myself. If you go back to later episode, uh, earlier episodes, I just think that it's just too much of an ask now at that age. It's such a big injury, such a big rehab. Uh, eight months to recover. You know, three months training camp. He's going to be out for at least a year. And then, you know, so much can change in that time. He's getting older. Unless he just juices up. Which, you know, let's be honest, we wouldn't be surprised if he does. But yeah, uh, I believe Jones and Stipe are going to retire. Uh, Early predictions, I think Aspinall beats Pavlovich. In the way I said, I think he gets to take down early on. Uh, which means now, of course, the Pereira and Jiri Prohaska fight has been bumped up to main event. Which I'm not mad at. Uh, I think that was the most exciting fight, personally. I'm a huge Alex Pereira fi- fan. Huge Jiri Prohaska fan. And I think that fight just has everything in terms of excitement. Both men definitely could finish each other. Both men have pretty, um, you know open flaws, let's say, we know Prohera is, uh, weaknesses is takedowns, Jerry Prohaska is pretty open and susceptible to being hit, so they both, it's just going to be a super exciting fight, I'll talk about that one a bit more in next week's podcast, uh, yeah, let's go back now over UFC 294, so going in order, let's go from the main event and then we'll go back down, Islam Makachev, I mean, fucking, what a performance. I know Volk was taking the fight on short notice. He spoke out after the fight about his, you know, mental struggles, about struggling of not having anything to do when he's not fighting. And then, obviously, the short notice did obviously have its effects on him going into the fight. But I don't think we can use that to take anything away from Islam. Islam caught him with a head kick that Volk has been caught with multiple times before. If you go back to the podcast where I was talking prior to the Volkanovski-Rodriguez fight, I mentioned how Islam had success with his kicks. I mentioned how Max Holloway had success with his kicks. Obviously, being a shorter fighter like Volkanovski, he is susceptible to these head kicks. And Islam, you know, was drilling these kicks. He obviously saw a weakness there. He had success with his body kicks in the last fight. He obviously just caught Volk off guard. But the way that Islam has evolved in his game and he's continuously showing us new things, I think is just amazing. He is consistently evolving as a fighter. Of course, he's always going to have these comparisons to Khabib. But if we didn't have, you know... Khabib to compare him to I think people would give Islam a lot more credit and a lot more respect than he's getting the fact that he's only second in the pound for pound rankings as well is a farce he should be number one the fact that he was number three uh, you know what I I, I think prior to the Volkanovski fight I was kind of happy that Volkanovski was still number one after the first fight I gave my opinion on why I think he should still be first at the time, and then I think with Volk being active, still fighting one more time before that, and getting the win against Rodriguez. But after that performance, I think uh, Islam should have been first. 
guess it's just the John Jones bias from the UFC, right? But yeah, I mean, what happens from here? So, Volkanovski said he still wants to fight in January against Taporia. Now, I think that's such a dangerous fight to take in the given circumstances. Openly talking about how he's been struggling mentally with not fighting. If you remember on last week's podcast, I said there's going to be a time where Volkanovski starts to show his age. I don't think that was the case in the last fight, but, you know, the signs are creeping in. He... He needs to... I mean, who the fuck am I, right, to give my opinion and my advice? But I'm going to do it anyway. I personally think Tepore is such a dangerous fight. Volkanovski needs to go in 100% fit and 100% mentally sound. If he's openly been struggling with issues regarding not fighting and he's not, you know, in the right mindset and he's kind of feeling like he needs to prove something or get one back after losing in the way that he did, Tepore is just, he's just too dangerous. He can, he can finish the fight anywhere, on the feet, on the ground. He is super powerful for that weight class. And you just need to, I don't know, you need to go into a fight like that 100%, I think. Now, there's no saying that Volkanovski won't be. The way he works, he might, you know, with something to prove, he might perform better, but I'm not mad at the idea of Max versus Tapori. I think that's an awesome fight. I think it gives Max the very much well-deserved foot in the door to r- compete again for the featherweight title. Now, I understand why Dana is, you know, adamant about not having the Volkanovski max fight re- redone, but there, there just has to be a point where, you know, he's done enough. He's done way more than anybody else in the featherweight division. He's beaten all the top contenders where necessary. He's proven he's still elite and way better than everybody else. There just has to be a point where you can't deny him. And I think this gives him that opportunity that he deserves. Also gives Volkanovski the t- chance to recuperate and recover and get himself sound and then obviously the win of Tapori Max get that fight later in the year but again who am I to say what do I know <clears throat> I'm just an idiot with a microphone so yeah uh, before we move on to the next fight I would like to talk about how openly Islam is about fighting or at least being the backup fighter for the welterweight title fight between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington that is super interesting to me because that shows his willingness that and eagerness to to fight at welterweight to become a two-weight uh, champion and I think he is the perfect size opponent to have success against Leon or Colby them two are not the biggest weight welterweights they are probably a similar size to Makachev I think Makachev said he walks around at like 190 uh, before he goes to camp, he wouldn't have to change much in his preparation. He would just have to cut less weight, I guess. I guess. So, I don't think him. Uh, I don't think him competing in both divisions would be an issue for him. 
If he is to move up, I would like to see him do what Volkanovski was attempting to do and be an active fighter in both divisions. Uh, it just kind of kind of opens up now a bunch of doors because does Oliveira immediately fight for the title next? I mean, he should because he was next in line. You know, a cut should only take a month or a couple of months to heal properly, so he should be ready whenever Islam is. Or does Islam immediately move up and start, you know, trying to win the welterweight title, meaning that we get an interim between, I assume, Gamrot and Oliveira? I don't know. I mean, personally, I like the idea of him going up. I think it would be interesting, so I'm going for that. Um, Moving on to the next card, Usman also openly spoke about, you know, the mental effects going into the fight with Kamzat and, you know, taking the the fight on short notice. He said he was offered the fight five rounds, but didn't take it. Now, after seeing the performance, I think a lot of people are kind of agreeing on the idea that if it was five rounds, Usman probably would have won. Uh, I personally scored the fight 29-28 Kamzat. Uh, I think the first round was not a 10-8. I've always been under the impression that you score a 10-8 round when somebody in the fight could have been finished or should have been finished. So there was an area of the fight where the fight potentially could have been stopped. Usman didn't look at any point that he was, you know, he was done. Again, he was close to being put into a couple of submissions. He defended extremely well. And he came back and won the second round, in my eyes. So, I think Usman did incredibly well to survive the first round. I don't think it was a 10-8. Now, yes, albeit he was dominated. I just don't think that warrants enough for a 10-8. He didn't take a lot of damage. He was just controlled. So, think about how, you know, damage is the number one thing the judges look for. Then they look for control. Mohamed Makayev lost his second round against uh, Tim Elliott when he had, I think it was four minutes, 59 seconds of control time or something. It was like ridiculous or four, nine, four minutes and 50 seconds. And he still lost that round on two of the judges' scorecards. So to give Kamzat a 10-8, you know, and then give Makayev losing that round when he controlled it it just the the judging was so inconsistent the refereeing was shit the whole card they had the whole doctor thing with uh johnny walker which we'll get to next yeah and then i think arguably i would give cams at the third round but that round was super close so one of the judges scored it a draw i'm not mad at that i think that was a fair fair uh a fair scorecard but only because I think the fight was close. I don't think it should have been scored a draw because that means you gave Kamzat a 10-8. So, yeah, that was definitely a fight that could have gone either way. Usman proved that he is still at the elite level. He can still still fight and, you know, extremely well given his age. I think a move up to middleweight would probably serve him well just because he's in the later years now of his career and you know the weight cut is it it doesn't get 
doesn't get easier. So if he doesn't have to worry as much about, you know, ke- keeping his weight down. And he, he fought one of the scariest people in the middleweight division. Someone that people don't want to fight. And went toe-to-toe. Now, Kamzat has claimed that he broke his hand in the first round. I've not seen anything to to support that since the fight. Not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying if it did, I've not seen anything. Now, I'm not going to argue with him and say that he doesn't know what it feels like to break your hand. I'm sure he does. But if his hand was compromised, then that explains why, you know, Usman had a lot more success in the later rounds. But I just think the way that Kamzat fights, he tries to you know, finish his opponent in the first round. And if he doesn't, that's when, you know, he looks a bit shaky. So I think, uh, Usman kind of gave a good, uh, you know, set a nice game plan for future fighters against Kamzat. And I think Usman proved to a lot of people that he's definitely still elite and definitely can still compete. Now, moving on, we had the Ankali of Johnny Walker fucking mess. Now, I've seen a lot of stuff on YouTube and Twitter regarding this, and I don't understand how it was not given as a DQ. I mean, as the rules state, if you knee a grounded opponent, and he wasn't just, you know, had his hand down, he had his full knee on the ground, and Ankalaev need him in the face. If the opponent can't continue, it's a disqualification, as we saw in the... Uh, Peter Yan Aljo fight how was this any different just because Walker you know tried to fight the doctor still called it off I don't understand how that's not being a DQ now of course we have the whole situation of the doctor asking him what what country are you fighting in let's be honest I understand English is not his first language but I've seen Walker communicate in English. He would know what it means to say, what country are you in? It is a basic question. Now, unless you're an absolute fucking moron, you know what country you're in. Think about where you are right now. You know what country it is. Now, understandably, people are arguing that people don't know Abu Dhabi is in the United uh, Arab Emirates or whatever. Doesn't matter. If you said Abu Dhabi, they're not going to fucking... Oh, actually, that's incorrect, right? He said the desert, apparently. If somebody... I mean, I understand why the doctor ended it. Maybe Walker was playing on it a little bit, trying to get the DQ in. I saw Chelsea Sunder talking about that. Now, I don't think so, but... Yeah, it was just fucking a load of bullshit. The doctor didn't give him the full time, didn't get a, you know translator in but in the same sense if somebody asks you what country you're in you should know now i understand like i just said if english isn't your first language you do get some leeway but i've heard uh, johnny walker speak he is proficient enough in english to understand what that question means i mean he even thought about it right and then said oh the desert or whatever so yeah it was bollocks i was looking forward to that fight uh ankalaya has been extremely unlucky with his last couple of fights uh, I guess they just running back soon. I'm not sure. We had the Ikram uh, Aliskarov fight. Now that guy looks fucking scary. I mean, his wrestling is insane, and we've not even seen him use his wrestling in his first two fights in the UFC. 
he looked a little bit shaky in his first one. Now, I understand that his opposition uh, in the most recent fight did come in on short notice. So maybe it was a little bit of a mismatch. But uh, it's... I think one of uh, one of the journalists asked Dana White, is it going to be hard getting him to fight top 15 guys now? Because people aren't going to want to fight people, you know, unranked, that they have everything to lose for. And Dana White said, yeah, it's going to be hard to get him a fight. Now, originally, he was supposed to fight Paulo Costa. I would love to have seen that fight. I was surprised when they didn't make Askarov Kamzat because they've fought before. Uh, it's his only loss against Kamzat. Uh, I think that would be an exciting fight. But yeah, I think the UFC are going to struggle booking him. People aren't going to want to fight. Aren't going to want to take that fight. He's a he's a scary dude. Uh, Said Namagomedov obviously caught his opponent Gafarov in the guillotine pretty quickly. He got a good win. Tim Elliott got beat by Makayev. He was winning on two judges' scorecards, meaning he was two minutes away from a victory. Now, Mohamed Makayev is... He's a super slippery guy. His wrestling is very unpredictable and extremely good. He's super tough, as we saw in his fight prior to the Elliott one. He didn't tap in the knee bar. And, you know, he was, there was a chance he wasn't even going to walk again after that injury. And he came and fought... You know, what was it? Six months later or something? Uh... So, Mikhaev is showing that he has what it takes to be a champion. Now, he's only 23. I think he wants to be the youngest UFC champion. So, he's really been, you know, biting at the biting at the chance to fight as much as possible and try and get these big fights. Uh, now, he's hit the top 10. I think he can probably, he can probably get at, you know, someone like Kai Karafrant, somebody coming off a loss. Uh... Yeah, I mean, he's probably one or two fights away from a championship uh, title shot. But now he's in with the big boys. The issue is, is he he's very exciting to watch because he always seems to be in some sort of danger at some point, but remains calm, gets himself out of it, and finishes the fights. Now, against the elite, which, you know, the top 10, you can't afford to do that. But... I am super intrigued to see where his career goes next and what fights he takes next because he's a super exciting fighter. He has all the potential to go all the way and he's still, still super young. Uh, Trevor Peak, obviously entertaining fight. Looked great. Uh, what else? Um, Mike Breeden barking at uh, Ashnor Jubilee. That was fucking hilarious, right? He was two rounds down. And then he comes out and he's saying like, this is America and starts barking and finished Jubilee with a couple of minutes left. Now, Jubilee did seem to freeze. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was, you know, Mike Breen's mental games or whatever. If his barking and his, you know, trash talking and stuff, if that did actually affect him or not. But he did freeze up. He did freeze up and it did affect him and cost him the fight. Um, last two things I want to talk about is the, uh, Mohamed Naimov who beat Nathaniel Wood should have had a point deducted. He grabbed the fence, two nut shots, uh, grabbed the fence again, I think, and also put his hand in the glove when he was on, when he was about to get finished in the third. Now, Naimov looked great. Um, obviously coming off his knockout win against Jamie Malarkey, 
he had a big test in front of him with Nathaniel Wood. And he did look super good. He looked super strong. Um, he looked super quick. And he was able to keep Nathaniel Wood up against the fence and keep him down when he took him down. But uh, he was so, 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 so incredibly lucky to not have a point taken. He should have had at least one point taken, maybe even two. The amount of fouls that he was continuously doing was insane. Uh, I saw on Twitter literally just this morning that Nathaniel Ward and his team are appealing that, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, last thing is obviously the debut of Shara Magomedov. I mean, what an exciting fighter. Scorecards, absolute bollocks. What I think two of them were 30-27, or it was 30-27 across the board. I have no idea how. There was a round in there where Silva was on top for like four minutes and pounding him. It wasn't like he was just lying there and keeping him there. Now, Magomedov looked great on the feet. He looked super, uh, you know, flashy and powerful. His takedown defense is terrible. Bruno Silva is not a wrestler and he got easily taken down. At middleweight division, they have some big guys. If you can get taken down that easily by Bruno Silva, people are just going to, you know, they're just going to walk straight through him. I think Dana White was right when he said, how can you be from Dagestan and not be able to defend a takedown? But interested to see where he goes from here. Uh, it was such a weird card, man. I mean, the judging was strange. The the doctor shit, the ref comments on the nut shot. I forgot to mention that. Um, was it Henry? Yeah, he was. He said he. the referee was like, it hit your leg. How can the referee tell you that you didn't get hit in the nuts? And then the fighter was later throwing up in the back, went to the hospital because his testicles had swollen to the size of like tangerines. So it was just so fucking weird. I mean, yeah, UFC's had such a uh, influx of middleweight talent now, right? We've just had Shara McMahon. Mac- Namagomedov, we've had Askarov now, uh, Aliskarov in. We have Kamza and Usman enter in the middleweight. Uh, Strickland is obviously the champion. Everything from what, four months ago has just totally been turned on its head. The division was kind of stagnated with Izzy as champion and, you know, was kind of running out of interesting fights for him. Now everything has just done a complete 180. So. I'm super excited to see where the middleweight division goes. If Kamzat is next in line to fight Strickland, I think that's an interesting fight because Strickland has really underrated takedown defense. Now, if Kamzat is able to ragdoll Usman and take Usman down like he did, again, Usman is aging. His wrestling is not as good as it used to be. Just because of his age, everything is starting to slow down. I think he does, you know, if Strickland does survive the first round, with his pressure and stuff, uh, he could definitely tie a cams out. Interesting fight to see how it happens, to see what happens. But yeah, that's everything for today. Uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you all next week.